Well, we're starting a brand new series today, and uh, it's, gonna co- it's called The Overflow. And uh, we're going to be in this uh, just for the rest of the summer. Uh, but uh, I want to start off uh, this morning with just a, a trivial fact for you that most of you find would, really be, would be really boring. But, uh, but just want to share it with you this morning. Does anybody know what, over the last few years, what is the number one homeowner's insurance claim in the state of Maryland has been? Anyone want to share at all? Flooding, maybe flooding. Hail. Some of you may say fire, wind, you know, lots of different things, theft. Well, actually, it's something what they call in the industry water backup of sewer and drains. And what that basically means is that if you've got a sub pump and you've got a basement and that sub pump starts wor- stops working and it rains, probably the chances are is your basement is going to start getting water and uh, you're going to have water everywhere and it's really expensive to fix it up. So so just uh, if you don't have that on your homeowner's insurance, you may make sure you get it. So anyway, the reason I say that is because Middle of this month, end of last month, uh, we were in Florida for two weeks, and you guys had so much rain here. And so we moved to this new house of ours in, uh, uh, in May, and I really don't know how the sub pump is, because we haven't really had significant amounts of rain. So while we're away, all I'm thinking is, I hope that sub pump hasn't overflown. I hope that my basement isn't flooded. And so when I got back, we uh, we dri- dri- I'd dr- driven back from Florida, and we got we got back uh, like late at night. The first thing I did, I went down into the basement, went into our utility room to check to see if the sub pump had overflowed. So I get down there and uh, I look at the sub pump and my heart is racing a little. I'm like, oh no, oh no. And then suddenly my, my fears are eased. The sub pump is dry. I'm super happy. So I'm like, great, I can go to bed with ease. And I turn around, and as I turn around to walk out the utility room, uh, we have two air conditioning units, and I see both air conditioning units, and there's water all the bottom of the air conditioning units. Now, I don't know anything about AC units. I grew up up without AC, because in England, we don't have AC. They're having a heat wave right now. They have no idea what to do themselves, because no one has AC. And so I don't know anything much about AC units, but this is what I know. If there's water at the bottom of it, it's not a good idea. It's not a good thing. So I'm looking at the water. The water looks a little clean, so I know it's like clean water, so it must be coming from the inside somewhere. And so I did what all good people in 2018 do. I Googled it, right? So I Google it, and there's a list of things from really expensive to really cheap and easy. And so... Uh, uh, I, I go to bed, I clear up all the water, and uh, I check that the AC units are working, which they are, and uh, I go to bed and thinking, okay, what am I going to do? Well, the next morning I wake up, there's some more water there. But now I've been able to locate which unit it is. So I'm going through my Google list from the least expensive to the most expensive. I'm like, I don't want to call someone out. And on the least expensive list, there is something that says that the drain pipe for the condensation could be blocked. I'm like, I didn't even know there was a drain pipe. I didn't know it could get blocked. So I was like, let me try this. So there's a little cap on your AC unit. You can, not, you can pull it off and to see if, if it's blocked at all. Well, as soon as I take this cap off, water gushes everywhere. You wouldn't believe it, just condensation, but so much water it created, water gushes everywhere. So now I know, okay, it's the cheap fix. I'm happy, I think. And so 
Well, so I Googled a bit more how to get rid of, you know, the, 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 the blockage. And uh, I didn't have the tools with me that I needed. Some people said, just put bleach in there. So I put some bleach in there. And I was like, I'm going to need more than bleach. I want to be make sure. So I went to the store, got some Drano. And by the time I came back, the bleach had actually unblocked it. But I still pulled the Drano in just in case. I'm not sure if you're supposed to do that with like P PC, uh, PVC pipes or anything. But I did it. And it's been fine ever since which I was super happy. But what happened, the, the cause was a blockage. There's only so much those pipes could take before they started to overflow. And they started to overflow. And in our lives, we can get things that are good overflows, that there's things that go into our lives and it overflows out of us like joy and happiness. But there's also bad things that can overflow in our lives. And what we put in obviously, often overflows out of our lives. See, once something is filled up, it starts to overflow. There is only so much that our minds, our hearts, and our souls can take before they start to overflow. Because it's not like, it, it, it's, it's an endless bucket where we're just pouring things into our lives. Eventually, what we put in will overflow. Jesus even said, he says, that, that uh, out of the, the heart, the mouth speaks. Basically saying what's in your heart will eventually come out through your mouth. And so this is why it is important for us to have the ability to be able to filter what we allow into our lives, what we allow ourselves to be exposed to. Why It's important to be able to filter what we see, what we hear, and even what we eat. So that the overflow isn't bad things, but it is good things. So in the start of this series, I want to ask you a question that I want you to think long and hard about. And it may take a couple of weeks for you to be able to even answer this question. But this is the question I want to ask everyone this morning. What is the overflow that comes from your life? What is the overflow that comes from your life? When people are around you, how are they being affected? When you are doing something in your life, what, what, what do other people see? What do other people experience? What is the overflow from your life? Now, I want us to take us back about 3,000 years to the land of ancient Israel. A man called David has just become the second king of a collection of tribes that were called Israel. Now, this, the, 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 this selection of tribes, they started out as a family, and then they grew into a big ethnic group. They've had an interesting past, but for the most part, they are God-fearing people. Now, throughout their early years, they were a people without a home. And they, they marched around or they walked around the desert, living in tents, led by a man called Moses. Now, God had instructed Moses to build a wooden box and cover it with gold. And on the top of this box, that they were to put two statues of two seraphim angels looking at each other. And God would use this box that he told Moses to build, and he would call it the Ark of the Covenant. And it would be a place where God would meet and communicate with people. More specifically, he would meet and communicate with these tribes, the people of Israel. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear the Ark of the Covenant, there is something that comes to my mind very vividly. 
and it is Indiana Jones, right? I've actually got a picture of Indiana Jones just because he's like the coolest guy ever, right? So Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I love that movie. They're great movies. We were down in Florida. We went to Hollywood Studios, and they have this thing where uh, it's called the Indiana Jones Experience, and they've got all these uh, 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 like all these blasts and bombs that go off, and uh, and they show the stunts. And my son just fell asleep right in the middle of it. Like, how does anyone fall asleep in the middle of Indiana Indiana Jones stunts? But that's what I think of, Indiana Jones. But I've actually got a picture of the real Ark of the Covenant or what, what many people believed it looked like. And this was the Ark of the Covenant. This was the wooden box that was covered with, uh, with gold. And it had these two statues of these seraphim angels that were covering uh, the top of the Ark of the Covenant. Now, there were very strict instructions about the upkeep and the use of the Ark of the Covenant. No one could physically touch it. That was a no-no. God says, do not anybody physically touch it or they will die. Only priests were allowed to move the Ark of the Covenant. If you look at the picture, there's some ringlets on the side and then there's some wooden poles through those. The only way you could move the Ark of the Covenant was for a priest or four priests to come and, and, and put the poles through the ringlets and lift up the Ark and move it, making sure the priests did not touch the ark. The ark was a tangible place where man met with God. See, God is, is sometimes seems this intangible being, the presence of God, this intangible thing that you can't really grasp or get your, get your hand on. But God created the ark of the covenant or told Moses to build the ark of the covenant as a tangible place which represented the presence of God. And throughout Israel's history, you will see the importance of the Ark of the Covenant and the power of the Ark of the Covenant, the power of God's presence. Now, we're at 3,000 years ago, and King David is reigning over Israel. Now, his predecessor, the previous king, King Saul, did not believe in the importance of the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant, the importance of it had been dumbed down and they had taken the Ark and they left it in some kind of museum in a place called Balal in Judah, several miles outside of Jerusalem. It was taken out of active service. Now, when David became king, David wanted to bring the belief back to Israel of the importance of the Ark of the Covenant, the importance of the presence of God, uh, and bring back as a symbol of a nation returning to God and depending on the power of God. Now, David believed that the Ark of the Covenant should go into battle with them, that the presence of God should go into battle with them. And, And you find throughout history, whenever the Ark went into battle with Israel, Israel often won the battle. But when the ark didn't go into battle with them, they would struggle. Sometimes they would win. Sometimes they they would lose. Now, the ark of the covenant was not a lucky charm. So it's not like a rabbit foot, you you know, put around a necklace and it's like, and you kiss it, you know, and then like hop on your leg three times and then, you know, throw some salt over yourself. It wasn't a lucky charm. The ark of the covenant was a statement of devotion. It was a nation saying to God, you are our God in whom we trust. We believe you go before us and protect us. 
So when they took the Ark of the Covenant and, and the priests would march it into battle, they were saying, God, we believe that you are with us, you are for us, and you are going to protect us, that you are going to bless us. Now with David as king, he makes the decision. We're going to move the Ark from the museum in Baalal in Judah, and we're going to take it into Jerusalem for all to see. Because the Ark of the Covenant is so important. We're going to bring it back into public life. As a nation, we turn back to God. And that's where I want us to pick up this story. So if you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to the second book of Samuel, verses six, uh, sorry, chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6. And we're going to start reading at verse 1. Now, we're going to read a lot of scriptures today. And there's a lot of names I'm going to read. Now, I am not Jewish. I'm not Hebrew. And so a lot of these names, I don't know why their parents called them these names, but I'm going to butcher the names, and so I'm just going to tell you right up front, okay? But there's a lot of names we're going to read out today. But let's start with 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 1. It said, Then David again gathered all the elite troops in Israel, 30,000 in all. He led them to Baalal of Judah to bring back the Ark of, the, uh, the Ark of God which bears the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, who is enthroned between the cherubim. They placed the ark of God on a, on a new cart and brought it from Abindan's house, which was on a hill. Uzzah and Eoah, Abindan's sons, were guiding the ark that carried the ark of God, guiding the cart that carried the ark of God. Eoah uh, um, walked in front of the ark, David and all the people of Israel were celebrating before God, singing songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments, lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets, and cymbals. But when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nacon, the ox stumbled. So the ark is pulling a cart, which the, uh, the ark of the covenant is on. The ox, the ox stumbled and Uzzah reached out his hand to steady the ark. So he touched the ark. Then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him dead because of this. Seems a little harsh, right? But he died right there. So Uzzah died right there beside the ark of God. David was angry because the Lord's anger had burst out against Uzzah. He named the place Perez Uzzah, which means to burst out against Uzzah as it is called today. Let me just say, my wife's maiden name is Perez. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> David was zealous for God. He was so zealous for God, he wanted all of God. He wanted, he, he wanted the people to experience what he had experienced with God. He understood he could not lead a nation without God being by his side. He needed God. He desired God. He chased after God. But in everybody's excitement to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, they forgot to follow the commands of God. And these are the three commands that they forgot to follow. When they moved the ark of God, they did not use priests. And God had commanded them to use priests. They used a cart instead of poles. God had commanded to use poles. 
And Uzzah touched the ark. And God said, no one is to touch the ark of the covenant. And the result was death. See, we have to be careful that in our passion for life, we do not let an irreverence for the ways of God to creep in. So these people, they were doing things for God. They were doing it for God. But they let an irreverence for God to creep in. And God did not like that. And God loves us the way we are, but God also expects us to have reverence for him as well. And this is what happened to Uzzah that day. Now let's continue the story and see what happens. 2 Samuel 6 verses 9 to 11. David was now afraid of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I would be afraid of the Lord, right? You touch this ark, someone dies, I'm afraid. And he asked, how can I ever bring the ark of the Lord back into my care? So David decided not to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom of Gath. The ark of the Lord remained there in Obed-Edom's house for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his entire household. So suddenly after Uzzah's death, there is newfound reverence and fear for God. So they didn't want to do anything with it. They're like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to leave the ark here. Let's, let's move it and we're going to put it into a place, into a home that belongs to a guy called Obed-Edom. Now let's just unpack this a little. Obed-Edom. Who was Obed-Edom? Well, the Bible says he was from Gath. And in 1 Chronicles 14, we see that, that people from Gath are called Gittites. Now, he was living near Jerusalem because they were on the way to Jerusalem. And, and Baal of Judah, where the ark was, wasn't far from Jerusalem. So they were on their way to Jerusalem. So now Obed-Edom from Gath is living near Jerusalem. Now, history tells us that a company of soldiers who became David's personal bodyguards were from Gath. So chances are we can put two and two together and see that maybe Obed-Edom was one of David's bodyguards, which makes sense. If David wants to protect the ark, he's going to put it in the home of the rock, right? You know, one of his bodyguards. And so Obed-Edom now has the ark of the covenant in his house. You know, it's like having the crown jewels, you know, under your bed or something. It's crazy. So that's the first thing we see. The second thing we see is because the Ark of the Covenant was in Obed-Edom's house, the Bible says that now Obed-Edom was blessed. When the presence of God arrives in Obed-Edom's house, the blessing of God arrives. No coincidence there. That when the presence of God is there, the overflow is now blessing upon Obed-Edom. But not only that. It says that the blessing of God was on Obed-Edom and his entire household. So the blessing of God was not just for Obed-Edom, it overflowed to his entire household. When the presence of God was poured into his house, the overflow was blessing. Let me be very honest with you today. The more of God you allow to be poured into your life and into your home, the more the blessings of God will overflow out of your life and out of your home. Every night we pray with my son Evan as he goes to sleep and 
we have this silly song we sing. I won't sing it for you. But then we pray. And I always pray this with him. Now may the presence of God be in this room and in this house. And the blessing of God be upon us. This is what I know. Yesterday, I celebrated my 31st year as a believer of Jesus Christ. In those 31 years, this is what I know. Where the presence of God is, there is blessing. Where the presence of God is, there is blessing. So I pray with Evan every night, God, let your presence be in our house. Let it be in this room where Evan sleeps. Let it be in our house because I know where the presence of God is, there is blessing. And I don't know about you, who wants to be blessed, right? I want to be blessed. I don't want to be someone who's not blessed. I want to be someone who's blessed. And this is what I know where the presence of God is, there is blessing. So Obed-Edom for three months, the presence of God in his house, and now there is blessing on his house. So let's take a look at what happens next. 2 Samuel 6, verses 12 to 15. Then King David was told, the Lord has blessed Obed-Edom's household and everything he has because the ark of God. So now the Bible is telling us it is because of the ark of God, because the presence of God is there, he is blessed. So David went there and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with great celebration. After the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, David sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. So David and all the people of Israel brought the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horns. David notices something. Hold on, Obed-Edom's getting blessed. His whole household is getting blessed. Everything he's touched is getting blessed. And it's got to be because the presence of God is in there. David wants a piece of the action. David's like, hold on, this isn't right. The Ark of the Covenant belongs in, in Jerusalem. So David went back to the instruction of, of Moses exactly how to carry the Ark. He went back with some priests. They got their poles and they carried it back into Jerusalem. And David starts this crazy spiritual dance, right? The short story is this. The ark moves to Jerusalem. Israel is blessed. David prospers. And the, and the enemies of Israel are scared. We could stop the story there and just say, the result of the presence of God is blessing. Because that's really the bottom line of today. But I don't want to stop there. I want to ask the question, well, what happened to Obed-Edom? I mean, it's a little unfair, right? He got this thing lumped on him in his house, and then suddenly he gets blessing. He's there for three months. What happened to Obed-Edom? It's an amazing story, what happened to Obed-Edom. Did the blessing disappear when the ark of, of, of God disappeared? Well, Obed-Edom didn't want to take that chance. He had tasted the goodness of being in the presence of God and when the presence of God is in your house. He had seen the positive results on those he had loved. He had seen that his house and everybody in it had got blessed. So Obed-Edom decided, no, no, no. This doesn't end here. Now, if Obed-Edom was a bodyguard to King David, which many people believe he may have, he had a job. That was his career. But now, after having the ark of God in his house, he now had a new mission for life. And this was his mission. 
not to lose sight of the presence of God. My mission is to follow the presence of God wherever the presence of God is. Watch what happens. 2 Samuel verses 7, verse 1. It says, When King David was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all the surrounding enemies. So the first thing that we see is that when the ark of God was in Jerusalem, peace came upon Jerusalem. So this is something else about the presence of God. Where the presence of God, there's not just blessing. Where the presence of God is, there is peace. And if you want peace in your life, the number one thing you should be doing is chasing after the presence of God. For when the presence of God is there, there's a tranquility that comes with it. There's peace. Then let's hop over a few books of the Bible to 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles chapter 15. Start reading at verse 1. It says, Now David built several buildings for himself in the city of David. He also prepared a place for the ark of God and set up a a special tent for it. Then he commanded, no one except the Levites may carry the ark of God. See, he's gone back to the instruction of Moses. Okay, only the priests, the Levites can carry it. The Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of the Lord and to serve him forever. Then David summoned all Israel to Jerusalem to bring the ark of the Lord to the place he had prepared. Okay, so David is now moving it. What happened to Obed-Edom? Well, let's go down to verse 16. In verse 16, it tells us, David also ordered the Levite leaders to appoint a choir of Levites who were singers and musicians to sing joyful songs to the accompaniment of harps, lyres, and cymbals. So the Levites appointed He-Man, son of Joel, not the 1980s character He-Man, Masters of the Universe, somebody else, right? Son of Joel, along with his fellow Levites, Asaph, son of Berechiah, and Ethan, son of Cushiah, from the clan of Merai. The following men were chosen as their assistants, Zechariah, Jaziel, Shemaroth, Jehel, Unai, Elab, Beniah, Masiah, Mathiah, Elupilup. How about that one, right? Mekaniah and the gatekeepers, Obed-Edom and Jael. And the gatekeepers, Obed-Edom and Jael. There's something happening here. Obed-Edom is like, hold on. I'm not letting the Ark of the Covenant out my sight. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to apply for a new job. I may have been a bodyguard, and that was, that was extravagant, and I had a lot of fame, and I followed the king around. But now I've seen something more important in life. The Ark of the Covenant. The presence of God. I'm going to be the gatekeeper. I'm going to be the one that sees this thing every single day. I'm not going to let this thing out of my sight because once I've tasted the presence of God, I never want to taste anything else again. And so here we are, the gatekeeper. Let's go down to verses 19 to 21. Some more crazy names. The musicians, He-Man, again. Asaph and Ethan were chosen to sound the bronze cymbals, Zechariah, Aziel, Shemaroth, Jehiel, Unai, Elab, Masiah, and Beniah were chosen to play the harps. Mathiah, Elupidup, again that guy, Machaniah, 
Obed-Edom, Jael, and Asa were chosen to play the list. Now Obed-Edom's joined the band. Now Obed-Edom's joined the worship band. I don't know if he can play the harp or what. I don't know if he can play the lyre. I don't know. But all I know is join the band because he's like, okay, I'm getting a piece of the action here. No matter where I'm going, I want to make sure I'm right there where the ark is. And this is what would happen. The musicians would go out in front of the ark. And Obed-Edom's realizing, I want to be as close to the presence of God as I can. Let's carry on. 1 Chronicles 16, verses 1 to 5. They brought the ark of God and placed it inside the special tent. David had prepared for it. And they presented burnt offerings and peace offerings to God. When he had finished his sacrifices, David blessed the people in the name of the Lord. Then he gave to every man, woman, uh, and woman in all of Israel a loaf of bread, cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. Wasn't that nice? Gives them all free gifts. They get catered by Doron, right? You know? David appointed the following Levites to lead the people in worship before the ark of the Lord, to invoke his blessings and to give thanks and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Asaph, the the leader of his group, sounded the cymbal. Second to him was Zechariah, followed by Jael, Shamaroth, Jehiel, Mathahiah, Elab, Beniah, Obed-Edom, and jail. They played the harps and lyres. Again, here we see the Ark of the Covenant and the name Obed-Edom. Everywhere we go, where the Ark goes, there is Obed-Edom. Well, let's see what else. Verses 37 and 38 of 1 Chronicles 16. This is what it says. David has just given a prayer unto God in front of everybody. Then it says, David arranged for Asaph and his fellow Levites to serve regularly before the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, doing whatever needed to be done each day. This group included Obed-Edom, Hosea, and 60 other Levites as gatekeepers. Not only on the day that the ark went into Jerusalem was Obed-Edom right next to the ark. Now Obed-Edom's got a new job. Every single day of his life, he is now serving as a gatekeeper to the ark of the covenants. I wonder why they didn't mention the other 68 gatekeepers. I have a funny feeling. It's because Obed-Edom became a little famous in Israel for his passion for the presence of God. The story almost ends there. But we see again in 1 Chronicles chapter 26, they start talking about the gatekeepers to the temple and the gatekeepers to the ark of God. And in 1 Chronicles 26 verses 4 to 6, it said this, the sons of Obed-Edom also gatekeepers. It wasn't just Obed-Edom. His family got a taste of it. There was household salvation here. There was a household, uh, uh, there was a household blessing. His sons were like, hold on, something's happening to dad and I want to get a taste of it. And so they followed in their father's footsteps and they became gatekeepers to the ark of God. The gatekeepers were Shemaiah, the oldest, 
Jehezobad, the second. Joah, the third. Sakar, the fourth. Nethal, the fifth. Amiel, the sixth. Issachar, the seventh. And Pethulai, the eighth. God had richly blessed Obed-Edom. And then the Bible continues to tell us that the sons of Obed-Edom were all blessed as well. The presence of God in the form of the Ark of the Covenant in those three months at Obed-Edom's house had so impacted him, impacted him and changed him that he understood that life in the presence of God is always better than outside the presence of God. The blessings that come from his presence are so great that once you've tasted it, you cannot live any other way. What does the Bible say? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Because once you taste the presence of God, you realize I need to always be near the presence of God. Psalm 16 verse 1 says, You shall show me the way of life, God, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. See, when you get in the presence of God, there is joy. But the result of the presence of God is pleasure for life. The blessings of God that come. In the days of King David, whenever you read about the Ark of the Covenant, you will find a man called Obed-Edom, not too far away. His life was radically changed. Where God was, Obed-Edom was. And the result was this, a blessed life. I don't know how God blessed him. God could have just blessed him with good health. It could have blessed him, you know, financially. It could have blessed him with lots of friends or blessed him with favor with other people. Could have blessed him with new skills. I don't know. But all I know is that where the presence of God is, the overflow is blessing. See, many want to be blessed. And they try all types of different things to find those blessings. But take it from me and take it from Obed-Edom. The greatest, richest blessings overflow out of a desire and an intent to make sure you are living close to the presence of God. The great news for us is this. The Ark of the Covenant was for the Old Covenant. The presence of God now is not just near the Ark of the Covenant. Jesus came and says, I've come to bring a new covenant. And in this new covenant, if you decide to make Jesus Lord of your life, then this is what the promise is. That the presence of God, the presence of Jesus, through the help of the Holy Spirit, comes and makes residence in your heart comes and dwells in your heart. And where the presence of God is, there is blessing. So you do not have to run to a wooden box that's covered with gold to get the blessing of God anymore. You can just make Jesus Lord of your life. 
and live with a desire and intent for more of him. And this is what hap- will happen. The overflow will be the blessing of God. You can start to experience the blessings that Obed-Edom experienced. When you allow your heart to seek the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit pour into you. And you watch, not only will you be blessed, but your entire household will be blessed as well. Let's bow our heads in prayer. That's why our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed this morning. So before we leave today, I want us to make a, be intentional today. Make a declaration unto God. Like Obed-Edom did. When he decided to become a gatekeeper and then he decided to become a musician and decided to change his whole lifestyle to be near the presence of God. And the declaration that I want us to make this morning is that as people of Jesus Christ, that we will intentionally seek after the presence of God. To allow the Holy Spirit to fill our lives. To allow Jesus near. And make it a desire within us. And then just a natural result is an overflow of blessing. So in a moment, we're going to stand to our feet and we're going to pray. And we're going to pray that God's presence will be so close to us. Today, tomorrow, this week, next week, next month, throughout the rest of this year, going into 2019 that we will experience God's presence like never before. Just like Obed-Edom did. But maybe you're in this place today and you've never made that choice to make God Lord of your life. You've never accepted Jesus into your life. You've tried to go out your own thing and do your own thing. But this morning you've realized, no, I need something more. I need the presence of God in my life. I need what, what you talked about, that when you make Lord, Jesus Lord of your life, His presence comes and lives inside of you. I need that this morning. Well, if that's you this morning, then this is all you need to do. The Bible says to call unto the Lord and He will hear. And call unto him and say, God, I believe in Jesus. I believe in who you are. I want more of you. I want to experience you. Now I make you Lord of my life. And I believe if you do that this morning, then God will start to do a work within you. And if you intentionally Seek after him. You'll watch. Just like Obed-Edom. He saw in three months a radical change in his life. It may take a day. It may take a week. It may take three months for you. But very shortly you'll see a radical change in your life. And you'll see the blessings of God everywhere. Because God is near. So if that's you today when we stand, you pray with us. And pray for more of God and the presence of God in your life. 
So let's stand this morning before we close and let's pray unto God and believe unto Him this morning for His presence. So Father God, we thank You.